Good morning. I have been told that my vest looks good. And uh, it's intentional. I actually think about these things. I mean, I seriously do. And this is normally uh, my Easter Christmas vest, but I, uh, I've got another ensemble planned for next week. <laughs> but I thought, I thought, this is, this is right. This is right. I mean, first of all, it is Palm Sunday. Uh, you know, we didn't break out the palms, but there's, that's, that's a, a rejoicing kind of time. And I thought, okay, red. Yeah, there you go. This is also the week that Jesus shed his blood to cover me so that I could be righteous. Red. Yeah. Let's go with that. And I thought, well, I need to wear some dark stuff because this was a challenging week. This was, this was a, this was a hard week as well. Um, we're going to, we're going to, Look at a passage of scripture. It's kind of interesting that Alan went where he went with, with the uh, uh, with the offering. You didn't hear the first service sermon, did you? I didn't think you did. We're gonna we're gonna look at a passage of scripture that probably isn't usually associated with uh, Palm Sunday, but it should be associated with this week. Would you stand with me? It's from Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, "This month is to be for you the first month." the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the the mystery and the beauty and the power and the life that are in your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would, in fact, anoint each person here so that we may see those things, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um. As I said, this is this is Palm Sunday, and for us, uh, for for Christians, we uh, we consider this week to be Holy Week. We have a special name for it. We call it Holy Week. Uh, it also, though, happens to be it. They don't always totally coincide with the way the calendars fall. But uh, uh, for Jesus, and for what this week would have been for him, it was it was Passover week. Uh, and I think most of you probably know what Passover is. It was the last night that they spent in slavery in Egypt. The Lord sent the death angel into the land and slaughtered all of the firstborn, except for those who followed the instructions that Moses had given here. Uh, And when the death angel saw the blood that was applied to the door frames of the house, the death angel would pass over and death was prevented from entering that uh, 
prevented from entering that house. Now, all of the, all of the sheep, all of the, all of the goats, all of the lambs that were sacrificed for Passover pointed toward the perfect Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And the instructions were not to just go out and get a lamb and kill it and sacrifice it. Now, that, that, would, that would not have been too difficult to do. Uh, the instructions were, go get one on the 10th day of the month, which in AD 33, when Jesus was in fact sacrificed, the 10th day of the month would have been Monday. It would have been the day following uh, the triumphal entry. And then keep, take care of it. Keep it until the 14th of the month, which would have been Friday. Uh, now, like I say, it's one thing to go and get a lamb and let's kill it. It's another thing to go and live with it for five days and then kill it. Because lambs are cute. Goats, not so much. But, but, but goats, yeah, goats. They can do yoga with you, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you, you, they, were, they were to keep it uh, and take care of it, but they weren't just taking care of it. It wasn't just a pet. They also were inspecting it because this lamb was supposed to be without fault, without defect. It was supposed to be a perfect lamb. And so they, they would spend those five days investigating it, if you will, to be sure that it, in fact, was perfect and able to be offered as a sacrifice. And so Jesus entered Jerusalem uh, on what would have been the ninth day of the month. The tenth day of the month, the inspection period began and ran until the 14th when he went to the cross. Uh, and Matthew and, and Mark and, and Luke tell us quite a bit about uh, this inspection period. They, uh, they tell us that, first of all, the Pharisees came, and the first test that they came with was a political test. Let's, trip, let's, tri let's trick him up. Let's trip him up with, with political things. Uh, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. So tell us, uh, what, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Uh, politics seems that even in Jesus' day was a way that was used to trip people up with, uh, with trick questions, if you will. We know that you are a man of integrity, they said. We know you are a man of integrity, blah, 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 blah. Because really that's all that that basically was, was just blah, blah, blah. Because if they knew he was a man of integrity who taught the way of God in accordance with the truth, they would have followed him instead of trying to trap him. So they're, they're trying to trap him with this, uh, with this question. With this, uh, with this tricky question. And the reason that it's tricky was because there didn't seem to be an answer to it. First of all, you know, if Jesus had said, uh, well, pay the tax, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. We need, we need to pay the tax. Then they could spin it. They could go and say, hey, he's soft on Rome. You know, I mean, he does, he, he's not for our people. He wants us to pay the taxes to these people that come in there and they've, uh, they've uh, taken over our land. They're, they're the colonizers. We're supposed to pay them money to take, yeah. But on the other hand, if he had said, nope, 
nope, we don't pay the tax to Caesar, then they could say, he's fomenting rebellion against Caesar. They could, they could turn it, they could turn it either, either way. Unfortunately, though, for his would-be trappers, Jesus was, in fact, a man of integrity who did teach the way of truth, uh, the way of God in accordance with the, with the truth. And so uh, he asked for a coin to be brought. And they brought a coin. And he said, no, no, whose who's picture's on that coin? Uh, you know, we still, got pitch, we, we still got people's pictures on our money, right? Yeah, who's, whose picture is on the $1 bill? Wow, this, these people went through, y'all, all of y'all graduated from elementary school, didn't you? Uh, whose picture is on the uh, $50 bill? You know, when I was growing up in the church, nobody in the church would have ever seen a $50 bill. But now they're just kind of around everywhere. Uh, whose picture is on the $100,000 bill? Okay, I guess the ties are right. Uh, that's, that's a deep joke. You'll have to think about that. Uh, there is a $100,000 bill. And, and we got people Googling it right now. <laughs> it's Woodrow Wilson. I didn't know that. I was told by the, the crowd after the first service. Yeah, Because we were thinking at the time that the $10,000 bill was, was the biggest. And, you know, but no. That's, but and so anyway, uh, he said, bring me, he said, whose picture is this? Well, that's, that's Caesar. That's the, that's the top guy. That's the emperor. And you know what Jesus said to him? Jesus said, okay, well, why don't you give to Caesar what belongs to him? And then let's give to God what belongs to him. Uh, by the way, what belongs to God? Everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Including, including me, including us, including my time. So they didn't do too well in trying to trap him with a political question. So you know, if you're not going to be able to trap somebody with politics, there's always the fallback. Yeah, religion. Let's let's uh, let's try a, let's try a religious trick question here. Uh, let's argue some doctrine, okay? And so the next thing that happens is uh, that same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, they came to him with a question. Now they uh, they actually set up a uh, uh, a theoretical story, a, a scenario, uh, and went like this. See, in, in those days, if, uh, if a man died, if he, if he was married and he died and he didn't have any children, but he had a brother, then his brother was supposed to take his wife as his wife as well, and the children that they had together would be attributed to the, to the other man. Now, sometimes that makes sense to me, sometimes that doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, that's what was supposed to happen. And they said there was this, there were, there were these seven brothers. And the first one married this woman and they didn't have any children. Uh, he died. They were childless. So his brother took her as his wife and he died and they didn't have any children. And then, the, and then the third one took her as his wife and he died and they didn't have any. All seven of them took this woman as their wife and died with no children. And I would say stay as far away from that woman. <laughs> as you possibly can. You might need a food tester. <laughs> <laughs> so
So here's the question. They all seven had her as a wife when they, in this resurrection that you're, you know, supposed to be happening, whose wife will she be in heaven? So, I mean, they had him, right? Wrong. See, they didn't, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And the reason they didn't believe in the resurrection, the reason they would say they didn't believe in the resurrection is because Moses didn't say anything about it. And if Mo, it doesn't matter what the prophet said. doesn't matter what the psalmist said. If Moses didn't say it, if it's not in that part of the Scripture, then, you know, we won't, we won't buy it. We, we, won't, we won't believe that. Uh, well, Jesus... Uh, And and perhaps, I was thinking this week, because it really hadn't occurred to me before, perhaps the reason they came to him with this question is because they had heard that just a few days before, Jesus had said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live and and never die. So they came to to him with this, this trick question. And Jesus took a little bit more time with this question uh, than with the other one. And basically what it boiled down to, he said, you don't understand the resurrection. And the truth of the matter is, they don't understand the resurrection. We, we, we really don't when you get right down to it. We believe that it's true. But, you know, what is heaven like? I, I, had, a, I, had, a, I had a discussion this week with a, with a guy about what heaven was like. And he was kind of going, you know, the things that I've, I've sort of read in the Bible and uh, and the things that people say that heaven is like, you know, it doesn't sound too exciting to me. And I went, that's because they're, they don't know. That's because it can't be, it can't possibly be described to us. I, I don't think you can start to imagine. We can't start. Uh, every, every funeral that I've been to for the last 10 years has played, I can only imagine. No, you can't. You can't imagine at all what, what it would be like. To actually be before God and to and, and to and to actually be in, in heaven. I mean, the physical universe is only the beginning, and we only know about one, and we don't know much about it. You know, we can't imagine heaven any more than 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 my my aged dog can do calculus. The closest he can come is he knows if you got if you got two dog biscuits and you eat one, you still got work to do. And and, and if they're all gone, there's a there's a magic box that others appear from. So there's a, there's a never-ending... See, he doesn't, he doesn't even know arithmetic. We get right down to it. My son, my 38-year-old son... Is he 38? Yes, he is, isn't he? <laughs> Be 39 this year. Wow. My 38-year-old son called me back in January... And that's, that's kind of unusual. I mean, we talk frequently, but it's not usually, he doesn't usually initiate that, that conversation because he's got a lot going on. But he called me back in January, and I thought, well, okay, you know, uh, what's up? And he wanted to tell me how excited he was about the Nintendo Switch and Zelda Breath of the Wild, which some of you know what that is, and some of you don't know what that is. It's a, it's a, it's a video game thing, and it's been a while since I've played video games, but he knew my birthday was coming up, and he just had to let me know how great this was. And I went, you know what? My son, I mean, if he wants to talk about this, i got to get one of these things. So I did. Anyway, it reminded me of when, of way back when, when he was not 38, when he was, when he was much, much younger, and the first Zelda that came out, he and I both knocked that thing out. And this is a screenshot from it. 
It's, it, that's exciting, people. It's in color. The little, the little, uh, the little, the, the green thing on this side holding this thing out, that's, that's Link with his sword. And those yellow things are the monsters coming after him. It was, uh, it was thrilling. Okay, uh, that was Zelda then. Okay, this, this is Zelda now. Uh, it's a little better. You know, I mean, that, that's just, that's a guardian, by the way. That's not, you know, even one of the ugly monsters, but those things are tough. Uh, I've killed a few of them, though. Uh, okay, the little, the little picture up at the top, this is us here on earth. The, the other one, that's, no, that isn't even what heaven is like, because we can imagine that. It, it, it's, something, it's something totally beyond what we can imagine. This, uh, this guy, this guy's Bill Gates. Okay. Back in, I think, the late 80s, it was, uh, he famously said, I can't imagine why anyone would need more than a megabyte of memory on their computer. Now, some of you don't know. I mean, some of you are going, yeah, that was a funny quote. Some of you are going, a megabyte? Is that like a big belly burger? What, what you know, what, what is that? Well, uh, it, it, he was talking about uh, random access memory. It's not where you save your files, but it's the memory that the computer uses to do things, uh, to, get, to get stuff done. And uh, uh, a megabyte seemed like an awful lot then. Today, uh, the standard that comes on a computer is 8,000 times that. This is Bill Gates. He could not imagine what was going to happen 30 years later on computers. How can we imagine? You know what? It's like to have a spiritual body. I mean, what, what, the, what the pleasures and the joys and the, uh, and the amazing things that can be done with a, with a spiritual body are. I mean, we, you know, yeah, streets of gold. Gates of Pearl, you know, if that's literal, that's going to be the least exciting thing there. And if it's not literal, it stands for something much more exciting than Gates of Pearl and Streets of Gold. So Jesus says, you don't really know anything about the resurrection. Uh, by the way, there, there, there is no uh, marriage when it comes to resurrection. Margaret and I have been married for almost 42 years now, and hopefully we got another 42 Coming, I, I don't know if she wants that many or not, but but I'll be okay with that. And but when we get to heaven, you know, it's going to be something different. I don't know what that relationship will be, or how that'll fit together, or if we'll, you know, sit and hold hands in the worship service. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know what's what's going to be going on. Maybe, but it's gonna it's gonna be great. And Jesus said, "Oh, and by the way, this thing about Moses, uh, actually, he did talk about the resurrection." Uh, he, he did mention the resurrection. Uh, about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read where God said to you, in fact, he said it to Moses at the burning bush, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of dead people. He's the God of live people. This was 400 years after Jacob passed off of this scene. And so all they could do was go away mumbling to themselves. They had tried to trick him. And then something, a couple of important things begin to happen. Uh, Matthew and Mark record, record a, uh, an impromptu question that was asked. Master, well, which, which, are, which is the greatest commandment? 
And you know what Jesus answered when he, he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And the guy who asked the question said, man, you know, that's a good answer. You're, you're right. This is the summation of all the law. And Jesus goes, you're, you're close to the kingdom. You're, you're getting real close to the kingdom there, fella. Oftentimes it is the impromptu questions that really have substance, that really matter. It's not the ones that we've, that it's not the walls that we've built with our question. He'll kick those things down. It's not the lies that we've designed. He'll tear those apart to get to us. But those, and, and oftentimes it's the impromptu questions that he uses to kick with. So now Jesus asks a question. Jesus says, Well, you know, you've asked questions and uh, examined me. Let me examine you. Whose son is the Messiah? That seemed like a pretty easy question. In fact, they, they all went, I, I know. David, he's the son of David. That's, that's who he is. And Jesus goes, yeah, you're right. But let me ask you about this. You know, over, uh, over in Psalm 110, David calls him Lord. So the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And all of you guys recognize that as a messianic psalm. So how can he be David's son and David's Lord? Now, he wasn't asking this question uh, to trick them because you see, when God asks a question, God doesn't ask a question to trip us up. God asks a question to lead us to the truth. Adam, where are you? Well, I'm hiding from you, God. Just want to be sure you knew that. When God, when God asks questions, it's to lead us to the truth. And Jesus was trying to lead them to the truth because they were basically going, this is, this is just a man. How can he be the son of God? There's these audacious claims that he's making. And Jesus is saying, okay, you got Messiah. You're saying he's the son of David. And you're right. He's just a man. But David says he's a little bit more than that. We don't have that kind of relationship anymore uh, necessarily for us to understand it. But it was very clear to them, your son was not your Lord. It was very clear to them. That, that, that couldn't happen. Could it be that the son of David might also be the son of God? Anybody got ears to hear? Anybody got eyes to see here? Apparently they didn't. By the end of the week, by the end of the examination period, on the 14th day of the month, those who tried to trap Jesus with the taxes to Caesar question were crying out, we have no king but Caesar. And they were right. That was the only king that they had. By the 14th day of the month, by the end of the examination period, the, the, the crowd that, that earlier had been crying, Hosanna, save now, son of David, was crying, crucify him, take him away, save yourself if you are who you say you are. Whole five days of examination, and by the end of that examination, 
It wasn't the Sadducees. It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the crowd. It was the guy in authority. The guy who had the ability to judge who went, I don't find any fault with this guy. This one is faultless. This one is spotless. We're going to sacrifice him anyway, but it's not because there's any fault there. And so, on the 14th day, they took the lamb that had been selected from the foundation of the world and that had been tested and tried since the 10th day, and they sacrificed him. They slaughtered him. And his blood, when applied to our lives, prevents death from entering. He said, man, you know, one of these days, I'm probably going to attend your, your funeral, old man. Well, I hope you do, because the older you get, the fewer people come to your funeral. But I hope that you do. But you know what? I won't be dead. I mean, my body <laughs> will quit functioning, and boy, that's a tragedy. But I won't be dead. Oh. And you see, they're going to sacrifice him on Friday. But Sunday's coming. And next week we're going to talk about Sunday a little bit. Yeah. Would those who are going to serve at the table, if they'd come forward this morning. And because of the perfect sacrifice, we have the privilege of coming into the presence of God. We have the privilege of experiencing Him firsthand.